Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! It's sus, that's sus Thursday here on Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. I don't have my video on on this Zoom call with Nick, mainly because I don't want to stare at my ugly self. I'm looking at Nick, and the minute I say that's sus, I see you physically like pull back or repulsed by me saying that. I can stop if you want me to. I really don't know what you're sensing there. This is like one of those times where I'm on the phone with a parent and they're like, I can tell something's bothering you. And I'm like, nothing's bothering me. I'm just like a person who doesn't react to many things. Good. So, Cause I wanted to keep going. That's us. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me, I, I guess I was a sophomore in college and I had a professor who every day would walk into class and say, Nick, you looked concerned. And I just like, no, I've got resting concerned face. Some people look annoyed. I just look like I'm pondering life's many mysteries. I guess I have sitting clown face, you know? I'm the one that, hey, Ben, do a trick, do a dance, you know? Make make a joke. They're just At least you don't have to, like, yell at the top of your lungs all your life. That's good. Yeah, no, I, I mean, people tend to think that I'm, you know, sad about something. But I'm, I'm usually just, like, sitting around thinking about just, like, a dumb sitcom thing. I've been watching Boy Meets World, if you want to talk about dumb sitcom things. That's for another podcast. I really feel like we're not fulfilling our true potential together by not having a non-Ole Miss nothing. I will put a disclaimer before anybody complains. I put a disclaimer saying this is not Ole Miss. This is something you don't want to listen to if you don't like Ole Miss. I would love to do a TV show with you, like a TV show show with you. Yeah. I mean, I am currently, I think, binging four different sitcoms, two of which I've seen, two of which I haven't seen, just because I'm like, some things I got to watch with the fiance, some things I get to watch by myself. Let's watch as many things that make me feel good as I can. Like Ole Miss fans watching Ole Miss football and they're 3-0. and See, yeah. See y'all, thought, y'all thought that Ben didn't have some skill in this podcast game, and I just pull out that sick segue. You did, you did. Let's talk about football. It's Tulsa week. Tell me something I don't know about Tulsa week. I don't know. I, this game is giving me really similar vibes to the Tulane game last year, where it was a week of everybody talking themselves into, oh, man, Tulane's really good. Tulane, I mean, this is going to be a tough game. This is going to battle everybody. And I just had to, like, bite my tongue saying, man, I think Ole Miss is going to win by five touchdowns. And they got pretty close last year against Tulane. I don't think Tulsa's that bad. But this is a this is a Tulsa defense that gave up, I want to say they gave up 38 or 41 to Wyoming, and they gave up 35 to a Northern Illinois team that just lost to Vanderbilt. I mean, this is this is a Tulsa team that they can throw the ball really well, and they're going to move the ball better than Georgia Tech did without any question. But, man, I just – I don't see this being a game that Ole Miss struggles at all to put up 400 yards. I just – I think the offense is going to finally look like the offense people are used to. And I, we got a glimpse of that last week against Georgia Tech. But I think it's going to be a continuation of that because I just – I haven't been able to find it from Tulsa to see what this defense is going to do to slow down Ole Miss. I think a lot of that thinking comes from being a month into the season for Ole Miss and they hadn't played anybody. They hadn't yeah. really been challenged, truly challenged. You're right. You are. But, I mean, is is this going to be – the true challenge or is this going to be you want to see the challenge because you don't want Kentucky to be the first challenge and I get that just like last year you didn't want Alabama to be the first challenge and then Alabama kind of smacked them in the face from the jump I, I you don't want that to be the case where you haven't really faced competition and then you're 
hosting a top 10 team and anything can happen. But yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't necessarily see the Tulsa hype. You don't want to believe and then turn around and be disappointed when you finally, once you finally do get challenged like Ole Miss did against Alabama last year, it's not going to happen against Tulsa. Ole Miss would just, I think Ole Miss fan, not every Ole Miss fan, but maybe the majority would love to see Ole Miss get a little bit more challenged. So they can feel better about truly buying in to the full belief of this team being competitive. Cause God knows if they whip Tulsa and then lose to Kentucky. Oh, Oh, the meltdown, yeah. the meltdown would not be fun. Yeah. But again, we've, we've said this on podcasts four weeks in a row and I'm going to keep having to say it guys, we told you in July and we told you in August that the team was going to look really, really good in September and they have and ride the lightning, man. It's awesome. It's awesome when your team looks great, but I don't think Tulsa just magically became this great, awesome team that's going to challenge Ole Miss more than we thought they would a month ago because their passing offense looked really good against Jacksonville State. I mean, they completed, I think, 78% of their passes against Jacksonville State, and that's why the passing numbers are so gaudy. They were down around 58 60% completion before that when they played Wyoming and Northern Illinois, and there were a lot of big plays. I think they have 23 completions that have gone 20-plus yards uh, compared to, I think, only one other team in the country has 20 this year. They are lighting it up when it comes to big plays, but they weren't particularly efficient before the Jacksonville State game, and then they were really efficient against an FCS team with a first-year coach. So I, I don't know. I, I think that they're a good passing offense, and Ole Miss isn't going to shut this team out. Uh, they're probably going to give up 17, 21 points, some, somewhere around that number that we grew used to towards the end of last season. But I don't know. I, I just I, – I don't want to sit here and, and do whatever the opposite of rat poison is and just inflate the other team because the team wants a challenge. Ole Miss is better than Tulsa. Ole Miss should beat Tulsa. Yeah, they're going to beat Tulsa. If they do challenge Ole Miss, though, how would they do it? I mean, if they do challenge Ole Miss, it's beating them over the top, which was – the thing we were used to seeing in 2020 where the secondary was just getting burned for big play after big play. But the three, two, six has kind of made it impossible to get beat over the top when you have six DBs on the field at all times. I mean, the Arkansas game last year was a bit of an aberration, but we, in the year and a half, we've seen Ole Miss run this three, two, six. They've been really good at preventing those chunk plays through the air. So I don't know. I, I think that Tulsa has a way of sustaining drives with 10 to 15 yard completions and consistently moving the sticks and making this more of a shootout kind of offensive game. Tulsa loves running tempo. Their coach, Philip Montgomery, is from the same Baylor coaching tree that Jeff Levy is. So they throw the ball a lot more than Ole Miss did under Levy, but it's a it's a pretty similar offense when it comes to tempo and moving fast and trying to use every inch of the field. So I, I think there's some getting used to that, uh, that the defense is certainly used to from scrimmages in the spring and the fall. But I don't know. I, I, I don't really know how Tulsa's defense, which, to be fair, hasn't been bad against the run this year. But again, they've played Northern Illinois and Wyoming and Jacksonville State. They, they haven't played the same degree of talent that, that – um, that they'll face with Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins and Ulysses Bentley. So it's like last week when I was on this show and you asked me if Georgia Tech hangs around, what's going to work? And I said, yeah, I mean, Georgia Tech has shown that they have a good run defense and they might be able to slow things down if everything goes perfect. Clearly everything didn't go perfect because the better team asserted what it wanted to do. So yeah, Tulsa has strengths, but let's not pretend that the better team isn't going to be in the driver's seat. How do you feel about Ole Miss Kentucky right now, a week and two days away? That's interesting because I think Kentucky's offense has really underwhelmed this year, but they've done it without arguably their most important player, Chris Rodriguez, the running back. Now, Kentucky's offensive line has not been good at times this year. That's usually been a strength of theirs, and the offensive line has been shaky. So if Ole Miss's defensive front can keep creating pressure with uh, the tackles for loss and the sacks, that's actually a pretty favorable matchup. But the best cure-all for an offensive line that's shaky is a really good running back. And Chris Rodriguez coming back for the Ole Miss game is going to be huge for Kentucky. So depending on how much he can single-handedly change what the offense does, goes from me saying, I think Ole Miss at home has the three-point margin 
Mm-hmm. To, oh, I think Kentucky might have the three-point margin back if they've got their best running back. So Kentucky's defense is salty, man. That's a really good defense. That's a that's a really impressive defense with talent at all three phases. Some familiar players, Ole Miss fans are going to have to get used to seeing Jaquez Jones and Keydron Smith playing on the other side of the field. But no, I, I think the defense is, is going to limit it to Ole Miss being around 21, 28 points, kind of like we saw at the end of SEC play last year. And it's just going to be a matter of Kennel Miss's defense respond to Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez and, and some of the, the talent that Kentucky has on offense. I think if you're just comparing the roster's talent for talent, Ole Miss probably has more talent than Kentucky. But if you are talking about cohesiveness and mastery of style and all of that stuff, I think that Kentucky plays really well as a unit. So if Chris Rodriguez can be the X factor that he has been the last couple of years, I give Kentucky the slightest of slight edges. But either way, I haven't decided if I'm picking Kentucky by three or Ole Miss by three. It is that kind of game. What does Ole Miss have to do against Tulsa then to in any way positively or negatively impact your thoughts on Ole Miss Kentucky? I think I'm going to need to see another defensive performance, another good defensive performance where they're wreaking havoc in the backfield. I think that's another feather in the cap. But I also – we still both want to see more even offensive approach, more of a, you know, consistent passing attack where – I think last week against Georgia Tech, 12.2 yards per pass attempt would have been the second best passing game of the season for Ole Miss last year. Like they were effective, but they were doing so, I think, on 18, maybe 19 pass attempts, and they're running the ball 62 times. You'd like to see closer to 50-50, maybe not a true 50-50, but even closer to 60-40 that you got to keep Kentucky honest with the pass attack because – that's a good run defense. You saw what they did to take away Florida's run game almost completely in week two. So I don't know. I, I think that I want to see a little bit more consistency from the passing game. We'll see how the receivers respond. We'll see if they can get Trigg more involved because other than the three catches in the red zone against uh, against Central Arkansas, he hasn't been super, super involved in the game plan. I think that uh, getting him more involved in those 10 to 20 yard passes over the middle would be huge, but that's just kind of, you know, I'm being a stickler here. I'm picking small stuff because when it's a margin of error, so small with two teams that seem pretty evenly matched, that's the stuff you got to point out at, right? Yeah. You have to point that kind of stuff out. And with Trigg, it's not like he's not running routes. Just Ole Miss offensively in general, isn't running a lot of routes when you're running yeah. about 35, out of 44 times in the first half, just not a lot of opportunity there, not just for Michael Trigg, but for all those different guys in the skill sets. Yeah, I think Kiffin said something the other day at his press conference where if you go back a month and tell him you win a game 42 to nothing and Jalen Robinson doesn't play and Trigg has one catch, then he doesn't know how it happens. I think we all could have figured out it was because Zach Evans went off, but maybe we would have thought Bentley and uh, – Judkins's roles would have been reversed um, where uh, Bentley's the one up around 90 yards and Judkins is the one coming in and uh, wreaking havoc in garbage time. But no, I mean, I think we could have all seen this coming. This rushing attack is, it's something else, man. I, I, you've watched Ole Miss a lot longer and a lot more closely than I have, but I can't imagine there's ever been an Ole Miss rushing attack that has felt this inevitable as Ole Miss has through three weeks. Oh, I like that. The inevitability of the Ole Miss rushing attack. Yeah, I mean, it's just like whoever's on the field, whichever of the three guys is on the field, and you mix in Dart, who ran the ball well the other day, it just kind of feels like, yeah, they're going to get their yards, whether it's 100 for Evans, 100 for Judkins, 50 for Bentley, you're going to find a way to get 250 yards. And that just, I don't want to paint it as boring. Of course, it's exciting when your running backs are that good, but it just feels like, yeah, these guys are going to rush for 250. That's what they do. Well, I don't want to pass on the back, but I'm going to pass on the back. Two weeks ago, we said what could separate these quarterbacks is one of them utilizing the running element of their games. And Jackson Dart did that at Georgia Tech in a 42 to nothing win over a historically comparable Power Five opponent. Yeah. And Georgia Tech's in a weird situation, man. That's that's they suck, Nick. They suck. That's a program that tried to change its culture and did, but didn't get the results it wanted. So they kind of have to go back to the drawing board. 
but yeah, like we said last week, like we said the week before, and like we'll probably end up saying next week, can't draw too many conclusions when you're that much better than your opponent. No. You know the first time I'm going to say this is right now. Never said it before. A perfect fit for Georgia Tech is Hugh Freeze. Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, the the rec- it's tough to recruit to Georgia Tech because the academic standards, but that's kind of the perk of having somebody whose scheme is so specific. You don't necessarily need to recruit the five stars. You need to recruit the scheme fits. Yeah. Evan Ingram was a unheralded three-star that just showed out at camp. They can yeah. get Zedrick Woods, who just ran really fast at Ole Miss camp, to be an all-league caliber safety. I yeah. have never once thought that Hugh Freeze would ever get another job. But, hey, Georgia Tech, you're stuck in a rut, and I don't know how in the hell you get out of it. That guy makes sense because he's desperate for another, quote, bigger opportunity. And Georgia Tech isn't that big opportunity anymore, but he can rationalize it because he's not going to get anything else. And Georgia Tech, that's the kind of chance you've got to take because what's the worst that could happen? You end up right where you are now. Back at the drawing board? I mean, come on. You've done it three times in the last 10 years. Yeah, it's – I don't know. I I think that's an interesting thought. I've thought about a lot of names for Georgia Tech. People have thrown Jamie Chadwell out there, who I think is Hugh Freeze without the baggage in a lot of ways, but he doesn't have the history of success quite yet. He's uh, he's Hugh Freeze 10 years ago at Arkansas State. Basically, Hugh Freeze, wherever he goes, if he goes to Georgia Tech immediately, it's not going to be a lot of good but immediately is going to inject national conversation, the school he goes to. Like Georgia Tech will become a national story. They can't get that with a Jamie Chadwell, whoever it might be, that is, yes, probably a better coach for the long-term stability of your program. But college football these days, it isn't long-term. It's three-year windows. Would you rather, and this isn't for Georgia Tech, this is for Ben Garrett University. Would you rather have Hugh Freeze or or, or uh, what's-his-face, Bobby Petrino as your head coach right now? Hugh Freeze. Yeah, I'm I'm teetering on the line with that. I don't know. It's it's a tricky one, just because. And the only reason I say that is because Hugh Freeze is an asshole, but Bobby Petrino is a special kind of asshole. <laughs> yeah, those are your words. But I like Hugh fine. Me and Hugh still talk occasionally. It's never overwhelmingly positive, but he's fine. I like Hugh fine. But every one of us, I'm an asshole. You're an asshole. Bobby Petrino is a different kind of asshole. Sure. Results are results, and we'll see what people end up doing. I don't know if he's ever going to get a fifth chance or whatever this is at a a Power 5 school, but uh, people saw – Coach the freaking Falcons. That's still, to this day, is always going to be something that's just like, holy cow. You remember where you were when Bobby Petrino coached the freaking Falcons and then broke up with them with the note? I was in Atlanta, so yeah, I do remember. Yeah, of course you remember. Of course you do. It was more rhetorical. You know that. I know. I would take Hugh Freeze over Bobby Petrino, but it's a lot closer now that I talk my way through it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a dude that I think people forget his second act was the Lamar Jackson era. Like, it was more recent than people think. What a fast fall. Jeez. But we've gotten off topic. Yeah, hopefully Georgia Tech hires somebody exciting because – Nobody wants to watch Georgia win 55 to nothing every Saturday after Thanksgiving at noon on ABC. Yeah, that's true. Looking more and more at this game with Tulsa, I'm with you. There has been a little bit of, well, this is the number one passing attack in the country. Ole Miss fans don't want to believe, and they get popped in the mouth against a team that everyone thinks will be there in the East all year. Now, Georgia's going to win it, but Kentucky will be there, be competitive. They don't want to then, like, get raced by Kentucky and go, oh, crap, what, what if we – we don't know anything to necessarily be true. Because it's easy to point out how good the transfers have been, how good the defense has been. Um, even the quarterbacks, while they haven't been great, Jackson Dars taking steps, the running backs, number one in the country or something crazy. Offensive line, you could talk your way into, oh, man, I can see 9-0, and 10-0. You popped in the mouth against Kentucky. Yeah, that changes all that. This is the way that I've been looking at it all week. And – I mean, this is a long list, so sit with me. But here are all of the areas, or not all, here is a smattering of the areas that Ole Miss currently ranks top 20 in the country statistically. Scoring offense, scoring defense. Rushing offense, rushing defense. Total offense, total defense. First downs per game, first downs allowed per game. Sacks, tackles for loss. Third down percentage offensively. Fourth down percentage defensively. 
red zone touchdown scoring percentage, red zone or fewest red zone attempts allowed, 20 yard gains offensively, fewest 20 yard gains allowed defensively, blocked kicks and punts, turnovers forced. I mean, they are playing as complete a version of good football as anybody in the country. We just don't know if it means anything. Like we're filling up space because we're like, yeah, these last three games, they've looked awesome. What does it mean? Who knows? They, they look really, really good. They are clearly, they would absolutely go 12-0 and 0 in the Conference USA. Cool. What are they going to do when the games arrive that matter? And we think they're going to be pretty good, but my preseason pick for this team was 8-4, and four, and if you still told me they went 8-4, and four, I'd be like, yeah, that adds up. That's fair. What do they rank right now in the West for you? I would say right now, I think this team is probably the third best team in the West. But you can talk me into second and you can talk me into fourth and fifth. I, I think right now, if I made the rankings, it would go Alabama, Arkansas, Ole Miss, A&M, LSU. But those four teams after Alabama, you could talk me into any order with them right now. So Arkansas's performance last week did nothing to deter you from their championship potential contention. No, I mean, they played a bad quarter and a half. Uh, I, I still think that their dominance against uh, Cincinnati and South Carolina, who are two teams that haven't been as good as the prognostications wanted them to be. And I don't know, South Carolina's had a brutal opening to the season. I, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody, but. But they've looked awful doing it too. They have, they really have. And, and that's why you start to wonder oh, is Cincinnati actually that good? Oh, is South Carolina actually that good? Are we inflating Arkansas's wins because they beat teams that were really well regarded in August? Is, mm. is it similar to Florida beating a Utah team that maybe might not be as good as, as we thought they were? But again, who among this list has, I guess the best win of any of those four teams is A&M beating Miami? Like, Oh, is, it, is it LSU beating State? Like, what's the best win that any of these four teams have right now? LSU beating State, I guess. Yeah, LSU beating State, Arkansas beating Cincinnati, A&M beating Miami. Those are the three best wins after Alabama beating Texas in the West. So, like, what, what do we say about that? What, what, what do we say about these four teams that, yeah, you give A&M a ton of credit for beating Miami. I think they went on the road to beat Miami, right? I can't remember, but yeah, yeah. They went on the road, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you, you give that credit, but you also have to remember it was a team that couldn't figure out how to move the football against Appalachian State. You give LSU credit for just, like, absolutely looking like the better team than State for three quarters of that game, but you also remember what week one looked like. You, you give Arkansas credit for beating Cincinnati and beating South Carolina, but you also remember what the first quarter and a half against Missouri State looked like. I mean, all of these teams have a big – I don't know. And, and like, sure. Yeah. Ole Miss is the one that's played the cleanest, but Ole Miss is also the one that's been challenged the least. So how you rank those four teams, I still don't think we're going to have a good grasp on it after next week I, or after this week. I think we're going to have to wait until week five to start really talking about what the pecking order is. And if any of them truly have a chance to contend against Alabama. When's the last time you thought about retirement? What about saving for your kid's college? In these crazy economic times, working with a professional is of the utmost importance, and that's where my friend Thomas Chandler comes in. Thomas is a financial planner with Capital Financial Group, and he wants to help you make the right decisions for your financial future. So give him a call today at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. And tell him that Ben sent you for a no-cost consultation and get started toward financial independence today with Thomas Chandler of Capital Financial Group. Your Ole Miss baseball rebels are national champions. Yes, that really happened. Your eyes did not deceive you. And what better way to celebrate since we all spent way too much money getting to and back home from Omaha than with a new car. 
Well, the only place to buy a car in Oxford, Mississippi is Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Allen Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. They'll get you in the car you want at a price point that you can afford. Give them a call today, 662-234-8000. Ask Brian or Mason to tell them Talk of Champions sent you because now Talk of Champions actually makes sense. Ole Miss Baseball won a national championship, and they'll get you in your dream car with your Ole Miss Omaha magnet planted right there on the driver's side door. They're located at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Contact them today, 662-234-8000. That's Alan Samuels, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of the national champion, Talk of Champions podcast. BNA Bank is celebrating 125 years of local banking. For generations, BNA Bank has been a stable fixture in Northeast Mississippi, supporting and investing in our local small businesses, local schools, local community events, local charities, and so much more. At BNA Bank, we believe in our local communities, businesses, and organizations because we are a local business, too. Thank you for choosing to bank local with BNA Bank. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Talk of Champions is also brought to you in part by my bookie. You know football, and you pick winners all the time, so why not get paid for them at my bookie? Bet single game spreads, money lines, or parlay multiple together to increase your payouts. Low contest entry fees and over half a million to be won. Make it so you don't have to be a pro gambler to have fun. Getting started is easy. Just visit mybookie.ag, mybookie.ag, and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, on your first deposit to secure a double deposit bonus. That's promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, to get your first deposit matched dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. My bookie is a proven sports book that makes it simple to bet and win. So make this your winning season exclusively at my bookie. Well, here's the interesting thing about how we consider stuff for college football. South Carolina, we all expected them to lose to these teams, Arkansas included, even though yeah. we thought they'd look better. You thought they're going to lose to Arkansas. You knew they're going to lose to Georgia. Had they been competitive in both of those games and just lost by a field goal? We've been talking about South Carolina's a little bit better than people give them credit for. And Ole Miss has checked every box against these four, well, three 
quote, cupcakes on their schedule, even though Troy, I think, is a little better than many of us expected. Point is, like, they've checked all those boxes, and yet they still can't get credit for it. We would have given South Carolina the love had they hung in those games, and yet a team that has actually won and beaten those teams the way they're supposed to, we don't know who they are. It's weird. It's weird how we consider things. Because, I mean, there's that old aphorism about how it's easy to go from bad to good, but it's hard to go from good to great. That's kind of the benefit of the doubt that Ole Miss doesn't get right now, where South Carolina gets the benefit of the doubt because they've been average forever. And if they start looking good, you think, oh, man, that's growth. But for Ole Miss, what's growth off of 10 and 2? Like, most people would say growth off of 10 and 2 is 12 and 0. Now, realistically, I I hope people listening to this podcast are smart enough to know, realistically, growth off of 10 and 2 is doing it again, is you did it one time, now do it three times. And if you do it three times, hopefully that means you can pile up three consecutive recruiting classes. And then that fourth time, you finally have the talent to compete with the teams that are already there. Now that's growth in college football, but it's really hard to look at that when you're in the moment where it's a sport with small sample sizes. It's a sport where if you lose one game, people write you off forever. Like LSU and Texas A&M both have a loss and they've been written off. And it's like, dude, they haven't, they're unbeaten in SEC play. They could go eight. No, they could go to Atlanta. That's easy. But it's such a small, what have you done for me lately kind of sport that, I mean, guys, Ole Miss hasn't played anybody. We've made that very clear. They beat Kentucky. Suddenly everybody's going to say, oh, is this a team that's going to go to the college football playoff? They lose to Kentucky. Everybody's going to say, oh, this, they were playing nobody. This, they're going to go seven and five. I mean, it's a reactionary game, but I don't know, growth and, and expectation and respect comes from doing it over and over again. So let's see Ole Miss repeat last year's experiment, do it well again. Let's see them keep recruiting, keep getting players in. And then once they've done this two or three times, that's when people are going to start saying, oh, 59 to three, doesn't matter who they play. This is Ole Miss. They're supposed to do that. Well, it's kind of crazy to think about with uh, Henry Parrish going to Miami, the former Ole Miss running back. Yeah. Had he stayed at Ole Miss, he probably would have been number three to Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins. And now he follows Kevin Smith, former Ole Miss running backs coach, to Miami. And he's the most or one of the most productive running backs in the country. Old days, Ole Miss fans were like, oh, God. So-and-so left, so-and-so left. I mean, you could not lose a Henry Parrish. You couldn't in the old days of Ole Miss. Now it's not like that. Jock West Jones is at Kentucky, and Henry Parrish is at Miami. There's not any revenge factor with it or, woe is me, almost lost that guy. That's what good teams, good programs do. They just get good players and win. You want to hear a fun fun fact for you? Yes. There are 30 players in college football this year who are averaging – 95 or more rushing yards per game. Four of those 30 players have worn an Ole Miss uniform at some point in their career. Whoa, that's a really good one. So we could say Ole Miss running back you? uh, One of them is not a running back then. Oh, John Rice. Yeah, so two of them are doing them in an Ole Miss uniform right now, Judkins and Evans. Uh, Parrish is averaging, what do I have right here? Parrish is averaging 96.7 yards per game compared to Jenkins is 96.3. And John Rice is averaging 101.3 rushing yards per game at UCF. So How are they doing? Is, I don't really care. Can he pass? Let's see. Uh, clicking on his name real quick. His passing stats this year, uh, 61 for 101, five touchdowns, two interceptions, 778 yards. It's a rating of 137.5. Okay. Almost doesn't want any – it almost isn't missing any of them. That's what's crazy. No, like they're better off where they went. Just like – I mean, Kedron Smith, Kedron Smith had the game-sealing pick six against Florida for Kentucky. Good for him. Mm-hmm. I think he would have been the fourth corner or fourth safety on this team. Mm-hmm. Like it's a matter of let guys go get theirs. There was a point – I didn't watch much of the UCF versus Louisville game. And I know you have a family, so it was smart that you weren't watching UCF Louisville, but there was a point where Momo Sanogo tackled John Rice Plumley in a UCF versus Louisville game. And it was just like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Good for those guys. Yeah. Good for them. I'm happy for them. Uh, at one time, Momo would have been a veteran and leading guy to go do the media interviews, leading tackle John Rice. That's a Mississippi made boy. 
and he'd have been the quarterback, Henry Parrish running the ball. And if any of them had left, the program just falls apart. And now Ole Miss is three, four deep in certain spots. It's, it's fun. It's a different world. You didn't live in the uh, misery of hoping to God that Ole Miss can land Frank Gore and Roscoe Parrish so that their offense could be good for three years. No, I mean, I, uh, my first year on this beat was 2018. So I've seen some pretty thin teams. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen teams without depth. Let's not say I didn't live through it. That's true. But I, but I didn't live through the, uh, the 20, 30 years of it that some of your listeners have. Here's what happened. Last week, this asshole says to me that back in high school, when hormones are at their peak, their parents, their terrible parents, allowed boy-girl sleepovers. Now, everyone agrees with me that listens to this podcast. I, not everyone, but most of you. Born and raised in Mississippi, unless it was a disciple now or a lock-in at the middle school, very heavily covered up by, uh, you know, chaperones, teachers, parents, whatever. We didn't get these kind of opportunities. So now I'm thinking you've lived this whole other life of these amazing experiences that are both hilarious, but also deprived of your friend, Ben. I was, uh, I was at home uh, staying with my parents for the Georgia Tech game because I grew up about 30 miles outside of Atlanta. Uh, I was I was back at my parents' house, and one of the first things my mom says to me when I get in town is, when the hell did you go to a boy-girl sleepover party? Oh! And, oh! And I reminded her, and she's like, oh, yeah, that's right. But it's just like, it what? wasn't a common thing. It was, it was a one- or two-time thing. It was just this guy's party. One or two more times than I got. Yeah, but like, Ben, you... I didn't know you when you were a teenager, so I'm not going to cast aspersions, but I can't imagine you would have been. The things you're imagining what, Wait, 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 wait. What are you saying, Nick? You say I was like the Dustin from Stranger Things, hanging out with my buddies in the basement, playing a, a little D&D? &D? Did you? I, I would have, that would have I've been I've never fun. played D&D, &D, but if you want to play with I think that's something you and I would enjoy. We're getting off track here. Tell me if a funny friggin' story, please. You want me to just tell how much time we got? You want me to tell you a fun story about Nick being awkward? Yes. Okay. So I'm in, I'm in seventh grade. And we were playing pickup football in uh, PE. I was going to say recess, but it's seventh grade. There's no, there's no recess. Um, and me and this kid I grew up with, Sean, are just throwing a ball back and forth. Was his last and, name Hunter? No. Sean Hunter. I've been watching Boy Meets World. I'm sorry. Was that his last name? Yeah. Wow. I could have gotten you on a Boy Meets World trivia question. Dang. I'm, I'm younger than you, Ben. I, I grew up in syndication. I didn't grow up watching TGIF. Um, Sucks for you. <laughs> it does. Sure. It does. But so me and Sean are playing uh, football and these two girls walk up to us and say, can we play? And me being a normal human being, says yes and starts throwing them the ball. This was apparently perceived as the most generous act of gratitude ever by this girl, Lindsay, who I was playing catch with. And apparently it was so generous that I get to school the next day and Sean says, hey man, Lindsay's- <laughs> Lindsay likes you. Yep, she likes you, yep. Um, and I was like, okay. Sure, that's that's a thing that's true. And then I go on with the rest of my day because why why would I think twice about that? I'm too young to have awkward, anxious feelings yet. But then I get home from school. This was a Friday, and left on our landline voicemail is a call from Lindsay. Uh oh, we got a stage five clinger. Sorry. And so I call back. And she says that she and her family have an extra ticket to the Braves game on Sunday, and they'd like to bring me. And I think this is word for word my reaction. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't thought about it yet. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm, uh, um, then, um, 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 I'll call you back. And then I hang up because uh, things got real, real fast. And so I have an anxiety attack for about 10 minutes. And then I come up with a flimsy excuse that was true, 
but very flimsy about how I had a project to work on and I wanted to do that on Sunday so I couldn't go to the Braves game. So I call her back and I tell her no, but I'm thinking about this all day Sunday and it's Sunday night and my family is all sitting in the living room watching Big Brother. And before you guys jump on me with the accuracy, how's Big Brother on and you're in school and the Braves are in session? This was the year of the writer's strike. So Big Brother started two months early. It's it, it No one up. is critical of that. No one's people, thinking that people, but you. People are critical, Ben. People are absolutely critical of when Big Brother is on the air. They That's know it's a, a very show. targeted critical they, audience. They know it's a show that's on in the summer and kids aren't in school during the summer. I didn't even know when Big Brother was on. I don't want my credibility questioned here. This is a true story and I want my facts to add up. So we're watching Big Brother and truly we were, Ben, you critical guy. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't even know Sean's last name was Hunter. I did not, but um, we're watching it and my, my mom asks, so what are you going to do about Lindsay? And I puff my chest out and I get confident for the first and last time in my life. And I say, I'm going to ask her out tomorrow. I'm going to oh, ask her yeah. to be my girlfriend. And oh, they're yeah. like, okay, it's a big step. Are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm sure. I'm ready. I'm going to ask her during PE. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, I've got a plan. I figured it out. I get to PE that day and the boys and girls were separated that day where the boys were allowed to stay in the gym and play basketball and play knockout and play gotcha and all these fun games. And the girls had to walk laps around the parking lot because sexism is real in public schools in 2007. And so- Wait, we, is that uh, really what they had to do? Yeah, the girls were walking laps around the parking lot. There were cones set up in the parking lot and they were walking laps while the boys were playing basketball. It was um, remarkable. But so- Oh my God. I think I'm out. the weird one because we didn't have boy girl sleepovers. Sorry. I no one said you were weird for that, Ben. I but was anyway. protected. My mom and daddy <laughs> raised me right. Anyway, we are, uh, I, I figure out that the water fountains are in the hallway where the door lets out to the parking lot. So I figured I would uh, go get some water and stand by the glass door and wave to get her attention and wave her in and she'd come get water. And I'd ask her. And so She's walking laps and she comes around and she sees me in the glass. So she's already in a really romantic mood. Yeah. yeah. And, and I wave and uh, she clocks eyes with me and then looks down and keeps walking. And my thought is, oh my and my God. thought is good, good for her. This girl's really into exercise. I'll catch her on the second time around. Oh and so she walks another lap around the parking lot and I catch her eyes and I wave and she puts her head down and keeps walking. And I think, damn, this girl is really committed to fitness. Oh, this is incredible. Nick. Oh. And then uh, I try a third time and I catch her glimpse. And uh, I wave and she puts her head down and uh, she walks by. You did it three times. You lack no self-awareness. No self-awareness, idiot. And so I'm in seventh grade. I, I had never said a curse word before. I, I didn't curse for the first time until ninth grade because for some reason I had a weird standard about that. But so I say something like crud her or frick this or something that's very juvenile and dumb. At, at that moment, I have resigned. No, I don't want this girl to be my girlfriend. She's my enemy now. I do not like her. And I go back in in a fit of rage and I go back to playing basketball and I, I get to lunch the next day and I'm still peeved about it. And I'm still, Aah. and Sean comes and he says, Hunter, Sean Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean comes and says, hey, man, Lindsay's really sad about yesterday. She was embarrassed. She was nervous. She, she wants a second chance to talk to you. And I cross my arms and I'm like, no, 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 no. She missed her chance. And if I had an adult brain, I would have thought, man, I was nervous when she invited me to the Braves game. And she was nervous when she saw me lurking through a window. We're even. Let's start over. But no, my adolescent brain thinks she has wronged me. And people who are wronged deserve to shun people. So it goes through a week or so of Sean coming to lunch every day Honor. and telling me that something Lindsay had said to him, just being the intermediary like every good middle school romance has. Can we change Lindsay's name to Topanga and your name to Corey Matthews? I'm more minkus than anything else. And I think we all know that. So you had watched Boy Meets World. I'm sorry, I interrupted you again. Go ahead. Um, 
so after about a week of me repeatedly saying no, Sean shows up to lunch and I pull out my notebook and rip out a sheet of paper and write a note on it. And I say, let's end this now. And I remember what it says word for word because it's just the stupidest thing that a seventh grader can write. But I write, Lindsay, comma, indent, I am tired of this charade. I do not like you, Nick. Oh my God. And I hand it to Sean. And then about an hour later, I am walking through the hallway and a crumpled up ball of paper hits me in the back of the head. And I hear the shriek, you didn't need to be so mean. And then hear somebody running away. And I thought I had won. I was convinced, man. I'm like, look at that. This situation is over. I will never think about this moment ever again. And now I'm 28 years old. And I think about this at least twice a month. Because who behaves this way, Ben? Did you ever reach back out to Lindsay ever again? Just, just to say, hey, I acted like a jerk. And so I don't times. know. I, I maybe. Or I did mean, you let her grow up thinking you were the biggest jerk ever? You were the I, Bobby Petrino of seventh graders in Georgia. <laughs> I, I'm gonna be honest with you, that took a heck of a turn. There was another year, I think it was sixth or seventh grade, there was this dumb thing that was going around our school called Snap, where Oh Snap. snap zap or snap where they would write either zap or snap on the back of your hand with a time so it would say like zap 1230 and then on the inside of their hand they would write somebody's name and you weren't allowed to look at the inside of your hand but when that time came so if it said zap 1230 you look up at the clock it says 1230 you flip it over and whoever's name is written in there you have to ask them out on a date and uh that is so dope I said, oh, snap, because apparently I was raised in the early 1990s with Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff getting jiggy with it. Yes, but so I never participated because I was not in the in crowd who was cool enough to have ink that you could write on palms. But A pen? Yeah, no, no, I wasn't, I wasn't cool enough to have pens, Ben. Uh, but there was one time that somebody was snapped with my name. And I remember we were in the lunchroom. This would have been sixth grade. And this girl, I can't even remember who, had to like stand up and yell across the lunchroom, which probably had like 200 kids in it. Nick, do you want to go on a date with me? Oh my God, I graduated with 123. And I remember, no, my graduating high school class was like 450. So in front of my graduating class plus 70. Yeah. A girl and stands on a chair, looks to awkward you, who's not ready to emotionally handle this. And you say... No, that's okay. Oh, my God. Um, I think that was the same week. Was, there, was her name Lindsay? No, her name was, I believe, it, I believe her name was Brielle. It was like Syndrome in The Incredibles, you know? Syndrome wasn't a bad kid. He loved Mr. Incredible. Mr. Incredible cold-shouldered him one time, and he took it personally, and he turned into a supervillain. Lindsay, wherever you are, I want to know if you're donning spandex and you're flying through the air trying to attain world domination because I would get where it came from. This guy, this Bobby Petrino of middle schoolers. <laughs> One more middle school story, and then next week I'll come prepared with high school stories. But uh, sixth grade for me was the year that High School Musical came out, which it's, it's the worst age to be a boy when High School Musical comes out because every girl that you know will just talk about High School Musical musical nonstop. And so I believe it came out around Christmas time, around Christmas or New Year's. So that winter, January or February, there was like a gas leak at our school and we had to evacuate. And we had to evacuate while I was in PE. So I was in a t-shirt and shorts and we had to evacuate outside when it was about 20 degrees. Oh boy. And uh, oh boy. The whole time I was really, really annoyed because I was reading Eldest, the second Aragon book. It was a book about dragons. But yeah, I had like 30 pages left and I wanted to finish the book, but I knew that because of the lockdown, I would have to lock it in school that night and wouldn't be able to pick it up till tomorrow. Now other people were nervous about like having to not have their phones, but I was like, the book, I gotta read the book. <laughs> but anyway, the reason I bring up this story Sounds is- Sounds like to, me with Harry Potter, so, you know, sorry. To stay warm, the girls- 
all were doing the choreography from every high school musical number. And so there was a point where a news helicopter came by to film the gas leak. It was, it was enough news that the news wanted to look at it. So we're at home later that day and me and my best friend at the time, Tor, were trying to find ourselves on the news. And was he one of the American gladiators with a name uh, Tor? T-O-R, Tor, it's his- Yeah, here's Laser, here's Glacier, Tor. Yeah, it's his, it's his actual middle name. Like that's, that's on his birth certificate. Just T-O-R, no E. Well, um, whatever. He had a mohawk most of our childhood, but not like oh, a he could kick my ass then, couldn't he? Like, like shaved the sides of his head mohawk. And to give a metaphor for people listening who are in the know, he was Silent Bob and I was Jay. That was, that was our dynamic. Um, so people liked him and they didn't like me very much. But yeah, we were, we were looking for ourselves and we saw dozens and dozens of dozens of girls dancing to We're All In This Together. <laughs> and then we find Tor because he's wearing a bright orange Clemson hoodie. And they were like, where's Nick? We don't see him. Why isn't he next to Tor? And I say, that's me. And they say, where? And I say, you see that gray blob? That's me. I had pulled my, uh, my gym shirt all the way over my knees and shins and put my head inside and created a tent for myself because I was so cold. And uh, that was my first time ever being on TV. And uh, now here you are covering sports on the Talk of Champions podcast. And poor Lindsay, she's fighting Superman. If Syndrome's thing was he was wronged by Mr. Incredible, so he became a supervillain, being wronged by me would mean you, like, burn newspapers. I didn't know y'all still did print? Yeah, six days a week. Awesome. I grew up in a town called Cumming, Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay. I can't recover from that. All right, give me a Tulsa Oldman score. Uh, 41-17. Works for me. Thanks, buddy. I'll see you next week. See you, buddy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.